This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'd like to say a huge welcome to you all to our first uh, special general meeting of the new season. Um, we've had, uh, since we last saw, well, we had the AGM obviously in August uh, and the board elections and the elections on the motion since then. So we've got a few new board members, some of whom are, to, are here to, uh, today. Actually, I should just point this out because we've got three people that we've co-opted who I think are going to be very, very important to how we do as a trust going forward. And... Uh, We've got Paul Hay. Where's Paul? Paul's over there. Right, Paul is going to be looking after all of our membership administration, which is probably the most thankless task of anybody that anybody does in the trust. No, I, 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 I don't accept it, Paul. But, uh, well, I know. I think that the trouble is you probably know them, and that's, that's, I know. But no, I mean, so Paul will basically be making sure that you repay your subs when they're due, but also picking up any inquiries that you have, which is very important. Uh, so there we go. So Paul's doing that. We've got Lucy Caton. I don't know if Lucy's here, but Lucy's going to be uh, looking after everything that goes on with the website and social media. So she'll be responsible for putting out our message to you lot so you know what's going on. Uh, and last but by no means least, very important, and this is a new hire, as it were, we've got Rob Palmer somewhere in the house. There you go. Hello, Rob. Uh, now, Rob is going to look after all of our kind of membership recruitment and uh, membership communications and that kind of thing. I mean, basically, you know, we've done very well, I think, as a trust for the last five years, and we've, we've touched a nerve with a lot of people, but you know, we need to get out there and we need to get more members. The more members we have, the stronger we are, the better the voice that we have. Rob has a lot of experience in doing this kind of thing, and uh, we are delighted to have him on board. Um, so, other than that, uh, what have we been up to since the AGM? Well, um, there's been quite a lot of noise, as you've probably heard, about meetings with the Premier League and Christmas Eve fixtures and that kind of thing. Uh, we're delighted to have Tim here, Tim Rolls, who's our man uh, who, who battles with Scudamore and Sky and does a fantastic job. Uh, he's going to be telling us all uh, what he's been up to therein. Um, there's been a fans forum meeting, uh, which Chris Rabin was at. Hello, Chris. I can't see a thing with, that, with my glasses on out there. I can only see what's in front of me. But um, We've also got another one coming up, and that's the really big, important one, isn't it, Chris? Because that's the one where we, we talk about ticketing policy, which apparently the club uh, decide their ticketing policy entirely on what's discussed at the fans' forum. So we're led to believe, yes. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Um, so anyway, Chris is going to be representing us and you there, but we've got, a, we've got an interesting uh, paper that Tim... Uh, did a while back on allocations, particularly away allocations, which we're hoping that Chris will get some time to present to them. And you never know, they may listen. Uh, talking of the club, uh, because we, uh, you know, we, we released the membership uh, and the annual survey early September, we nearly always follow that up uh, with a meeting with the club. Um, not only does it go a long way to um, informing us about the motions that you uh, vote on after the AGM, but it also gives us an idea of what we should be taking to the club in terms of important issues. And we're going to be meeting them, uh, I think, in mid-November. So watch that space. Um, I think, you know, rather than have me waffle on for ages, which is the last thing that I and probably you want, I'm going to hand you straight over to Tim, uh, if you can come forward. 
And by the way, actually, just before, um, before that, we've got two mics here. They are not to project out to you. They are so people uh, can listen live uh, on our live streaming site. But you do need to speak into them like this, Tim. Right, right? Yep. close to the mouth. I think after uh, four years, I've grasped that. Yeah, thank I, you. You, I hope so. <laughs> um, but when you want to ask questions, which I'm sure you will do, and for me, that's a very important part of this meeting, um, just raise your hand and somebody will send the mic your way. And again, if you could speak fairly close to it, just to give you a quick idea of what's going on, because being an idiot, I forgot to print out the agendas. Uh, but we've got Tim talking about supporters' issues. We've got Ramsey talking about the annual survey, particularly what we're planning next year. Uh, Cliff's going to have a quick catch-up on talking about uh, what the work that we do in Brompton Cemetery particularly, and probably a little bit of a talk about the Jack Whitley uh, memorial unveiling recently, which you've probably seen a lot about. And uh, our, one of our newest member, in a sense, on the board, Henry Fowler, is going to be talking about safe standing and what he's doing to reinvigorate that very, very important campaign. And then uh, we're going to have Charles Rose, who is the chairman of the Chelsea Pit Jonas. Hello, Charles. We're delighted to have Charles here, as we always are, but not least because he's going to spend a few minutes talking about the, the recent activities of the CPO, what's going on there. Uh, and then, uh, hopefully, uh, I'm, I, I'm quite happy, by the way, for you to ask questions, you know, during what people are saying rather than store them up to the end. But again, raise your hand and we'll get that sorted out. After that, by about half past four, so a lot to cram in in the hour, we will have Pat Nevin to do a Q&A with you, which I cannot wait for. So I will be pushing the meeting on very quickly, as you can no doubt understand. All right, enough of me. Tim, take it away. Okay. Um, I think most of you probably know that last couple of years there's been what I laughably called structured dialogue meetings between supporters, representatives, and the Premier League, which is basically Richard Scudamore, his sidekick, Bill Bush, and a few sort of functionaries, if you like. But what it is, for the first time, it means that Scudamore actually has to sit in a room with elected supporters, reps, and trusts across the Premier League. And the first meeting was a year ago, and frankly, there was a massive amount of mistrust. And to be honest, some of the supporters, reps, were so cowed by being in the same room as a man who earned so much money that a lot of the questions were so soft, it, was, you know, it wasn't that effective. But move on a year, we've had the third meeting, and they are actually starting to listen. They certainly understand the impact on, of kick-off times, particularly rearranged TV fixtures, but also midweek fixtures, on, particularly on away supporters, but not just on away supporters. And, you know, we've done, I've been involved in, particularly with uh, Cat Law from the Spurs Trust, a lot of work on that, talking to Sky, talking to BT Sport, talking to the Premier League, to the extent now that they know that when they make the announcement, and they also understand that if they say the announcement should be made on the 16th of December, it needs to be because people book trains on that basis. So, and I know they were late this time, but they, they would argue that was for unusual circumstances. But they, they are aware of the importance of that. But they're also aware that they need to take into account the journeys. We've done work every game in the last six years that's been rearranged. Could people get home by train afterwards? Would they get home by car after midnight? Those are the sort of the, the two criteria. So we've, we've been doing work on that, and what is interesting is that they've now, after much nagging from us, realised that the rail companies have a lot to play in this, that they've never spoken to the rail companies about later trains, about provision of specials, and particularly works, works on the line. When they closed Euston at uh, August Bank Holiday, and I think Everton were playing at Chelsea, and someone were playing at Liverpool, and it, it, was, a, it was a fiasco. And these times are known 18 months in advance. And at last, the Premier League are going to start talking to the rail companies before they come up with the fixtures. And that would not have happened if it wasn't for pressure from supporters' representatives. So that may not sound a massive win, but it's the sort of thing that's common sense and does sort of move things forward. What we've also got um, as a result of this is we had a meeting, some of us had a meeting with Tom Watson, who's the shadow... Uh, culture and sport minister, as well as being um, deputy shadow prime minister or whatever his job title is, deputy leader of the Labour Party. And he's very keen that they do something about flexible train tickets. If you book a train ticket for an away game and the game is moved, then the ticket automatically remains valid for the rearranged date. And he's arranging a meeting with the Premier League, themselves, Sky, BT, us, and the rail companies to discuss this issue. 
And at that meeting, it doesn't take a genius to work out that we'll have a good opportunity to talk about kickoff times and to talk about one or two other issues. So we are getting, oh, corridors of power is a strange word, but we are actually starting to make some headway with people, with people that matter. The people from the Spurs Trust, because Tracy Crouch, who's the um, sports minister, is a Spurs fan, but they've got a meeting coming up with her, which we hope will turn into a wider and more formal meeting with, 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 with other supporters there. So things are moving on. And I think what's highlighted it maybe is the Christmas Eve business, because it'd be fair to say Richard Scudamore admitted at the meeting last week that they underestimated the reaction. And we said, well, if you, are, if you spoke to supporters' reps, you actually... And he said it's, in, it's been in the TV contract for four years, but they didn't think it was going to be a, a, a problem. So what we've said, and the big issue really going forward, is the new contract, which starts in 2019, getting supporter reps' feedback. We don't expect to be in the contract discussions, but at least test a few things. How would it go down? I'm astonished, but nobody seemed to think it would go down badly playing games on, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I don't know anyone, anyone who thinks it's a good idea. And it's not just because we were playing at Everton. If we'd been at home, nobody would have thought it was a good idea. And yet, these guys who earn millions of pounds a year, doesn't seem to occur to them. To Chelsea's credit, they were very quickly onto it, and I think clearly other clubs put pressure on. But it is, it is pleasing when you sit down with the Premier League one week, and the following week they actually backtrack on a decision that they were clearly going to make. I think they are aware as well that not all supporters' reps are hotheads, that people, if you're told something in strict confidence, you can keep it in strict confidence. So we'll see where we go going forward. But I have to say the relationship is, is, is better. I think there's still issues around some of the supporters' reps, to be honest, are, you know, there was a lady from one club, I, w I won't name the club, um, but she said, we were talking about security, and I made the point that, you know, that it's different at different grounds. You know, Debs couldn't get her camera in at Stoke. Other people have been stopped taking things into certain grounds. There needs to be a consistent policy, and it needs to be publicised. So you know whether you can take an iPad into Old Trafford, which you can't apparently, whether you can take a power cable in, because people get them, people get them taken away from them. So, you know, and that sort of thing is going to be... Um, they're actually going to go away and do a piece of work on that and try and come up with a standard policy. And once they've got the standard policy, the plan is that they publicise it so people know what's going on. So these sorts of things will, will work going forward. And I, I think there's more a case now that they're more likely to test ideas with us. But the, bit, the, the acid test cheese will be the new contract. The, the detailed discussion, my understanding, is the early part of next year. And we will work very hard, the, the supports reps and the Football Supports Federation, to try and get at least testing some of the ideas. No one expects us to say to be in the room the whole time. But given the, the kickoff times, the, the, sorry, the New Year's Eve thing, and the, the, the fact that it's us that have done the work on the analysis of kickoff times, it, it's clear to me that they need to, they need to talk to us more. So, you know, that's where we are in a nutshell. Um, I mean, you know... I don't really need to see that, say this, but I will anyway. But I think on behalf of the Sports Trust, we'd like to thank Tim for the huge... Yeah, right. I mean, what, what you may or may not know is that, you know, not only does Tim represent us brilliantly uh, at that level with all the other Premier League trusts and then at the Premier League meetings, but Tim's taken the lead, particularly on the kickoff times issue. And uh, you do fine work there, mate, so well done. Um, has anybody got any questions uh, for Tim on this? What I, what I suggest we do is if I give Tim my mic, and then I can use the roving one for you lot. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Um, just, a, just a quick question. Um, we learnt, I think it was last month, that um, the randomness of uh, fixtures in the championship is actually uh, something that is a myth. Um, there was a story that I read that said that they had decided that um, certain clubs playing each other midweek was more preferable because um, they were less well supported and thus the better supported teams would be playing them at the weekend when the, when the attendances would be higher. Um, this is, to my mind, quite a sort of worrying uh, trend because what that means is that they are, uh, at, at that level, fully manipulating the 
fixture list, I wonder whether or not there should be a little pressure applied to find out just exactly how um, it is happening at Premier League level. And all I will say is that it just seems remarkable that over the last few years, on the weekend of the League Cup final, sorry, whatever it's called, um, the, the <laughs> League Cup final for people of old school, um, that we seem to be playing one of the other big teams and thus uh, the, the possibility of it being then kicked back to a latter part of the season is extremely high. It may just be a coincidence, but I just wonder. Uh, and and you know, it's just a thought that I pop out there. I, and I'm very happy to raise it. They've always assured us that it's random. They've always assured us how complicated it is to, to produce the, the fixtures. And, but I, I have my suspicions as well. They will, they will, they'll come back and say, yes, they are totally random. But I'm very, very happy to ask the question. And, and whatever we get, I'll, you know, we'll put in the next trust newsletter, whatever comes back. That's fine. Sorry, Dermot, you want to you want a question, mate? Off you go, mate. Um, Wednesday night, I think. A lot of the committee know I suffer from epilepsy. Mm. And I went to get my yearbook. And I wanted to go to the where the West Stand is. To the kiosk and get it. And the stewards wouldn't let me through. At the Britannia Gate. You said staff only. I had to go around to the mega store. Because of the lights in the mega store, I ended up having fits in the mega store. And outside, I had um, absent seizures. I've got me book in the end. <laughs> well done, Dermot. That's not the point. <laughs> That's not the point. No, it's not at all. Point is, I should have been allowed to go through and gone to the kiosk and get me book. Um, did they give you a, a, an explanation as to why they wouldn't let you through? He just said staff only. Right. Okay. And that he was just one steward was saying that? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. That's certainly something we can take up with the club, mate, and see, see what the explanation I is for sure. I back Thursday morning and complain to sec uh, security about it. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Good on you. I weren't too happy about it. No, fair, fair point. Um, thank you, mate. I, I, just picking up on what Cliff says, I mean, it's definitely something we can take up with the club. Um, but it, it's also kind of segues into something that, that Tim didn't mention, which is also on our agenda as, uh, in terms of supporters' issues, and that's the, the role of the uh, supporters' liaison officer, I believe. Hands up. All of this room, who knows who Chelsea's supporters liaison officer is? Well, I'll be honest with you, that's three more than I thought would put their hand up. It is, in fact, Graham Smith, who, um, funnily enough, doubles up as the head of ticketing. No conflict of interest there whatsoever. Uh, Tim has, again, at the Premier League meeting, you know, they are very interested in the role of SLOs at the Premier League level. Um, we... Look, I have nothing against Graham. I think Graham's actually a great guy, and he's been very helpful to us. Cliff talks to him a lot and irons out a lot of issues. But I, we all feel clearly that there is a conflict of interest in the fact that he's an employee of the club. And Tim mentions this at the PL. I mean, do you want to have a quick, quick word about that? No, they always very proudly talk about their... Um, they very proudly talk about their SLO network. Scudamore does. Very proud of it, he is. So every time I say, well, that's all very well. But at Chelsea, the SLO is also the ticketing manager, and that's the most issues you get, and, and nobody knows who he is. And, so, oh. and anyway, first, the first meeting I raised it, they sort of didn't believe me. Anyway, they, they, I think they've obviously gone off, and the, but they said, but he's very well thought of. By who? Because if the supporters don't know who he is, clearly it can't be, can't be the supporters. I mean, I just, I've got nothing against Graham, but it, there, there is something fundamentally wrong and it should be a fan it should, clearly should be a fan and that point's been made and it's a, a couple of other clubs it's the same that, that they're a club employee they, they're wearing two hats 
that being a club employee is bad enough. Being a club employee who's responsible for ticketing is, is, is particularly ludicrous. Just very quickly, we touched on, they're also very proud of all the fact that every club has a fans forum or something similar. And um, again, it would be fair to say that they work very differently at some clubs than others. I was, uh, no secret, I've always been very sceptical about the fans forum, not because of the trust representation, but because some of the other representation are unelected people who appear to only put over their own point of view and not, not the point of view of a, of, a, of a wider group. Now, at some clubs, it's completely like that. West Ham apparently appear to pick their own. They also do a thing where if, you've, if you're a fan and you've got over 5,000 Twitter followers, you're consulted, which is <laughs> utterly... But this is, this is apparently... Um, What's his name? Uh, David Sullivan's son, one of his uh, brainchild. So you know, these issues are raised. It, they're, they're never going to do anything massive, but I think it's important we just keep nagging away at them, about, about fans forum, particularly about the SLO. Cheers, Tim. Thanks a lot. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Can we... I just want to go on to the next thing, but uh, I'm going to hopefully leave a good ten minutes right at the end. It's just if I don't move on, we'll start lagging, and then we'll be in in the dog do. Uh, so I'm going to go on to uh, Ramsey, who's going to have a little chat about the annual survey. Uh, thanks, George. Now, I know you're all uh, keen to see Pat Nevin, hear from Charles, and get some beers in, so I won't talk for more than an hour. Um, I really you definitely not... won't be. No. <laughs> Um, so, this year, um, I took over the survey from Celia, who did a fantastic job year on year, and to be honest, to illustrate how much work she did, and I just want to pay a quick tribute here, um, we've talked about whether we want to change the survey tool, because they've changed the pricing and so forth, and I basically said, well, I don't want to rewrite that thing in a completely different tool because the amount of work was fantastic. So, first off, thanks to Celia because she did this work year on year and it's yeah. tremendous. I'd like to second that. Well done, Celia. <laughs> now, you had a chance to read the survey and see it, so you don't need me to blab on about it for very long either. So, that's great. Um, so, I thought I'd talk... Um, you know, there's some headlines. We're all worried about the temporary stadium and those issues, and we need to continue looking at that and the move to the new stadium, projected new stadium. Um, there's lots of concerns about particularly away ticketing, perennials like the ticket prices, and also overseas fans have got some, some quite decent concerns about the way their groups acquire tickets and the loyalty point system there. There's plenty of good stuff in the survey. I will point out, just to follow on from... Uh, Chidge and uh, Tim's point just there about the supports liaison officer. We can go back to the club and say actually 6% uh, of people uh, know the name of your SLO and 8% of people know how to contact him. I don't think that's really very good, is it? Because we've got the evidence because of the survey. It's a really useful tool. So everyone who filled it in as well, thank you very much. I know it was pretty big this year. A couple of people told me that very clearly in the comments section. Um, but also a couple of people did say these questions needed asking, so thank you very much for that. The plans for this year, there's a couple of things. Number one, the main survey, we want to get it out earlier this year. Um, there's a couple of reasons. One, people still focused on football in, in more like in April than sort of mid-May, so get more attention that way. Um, the other thing is, actually, there are some questions which I think you could predict the results by knowing where we finished in the league. So I'd actually like to see a, 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 a slightly more meaningful analysis of people answering those questions before the season is over, say by three or four weeks, rather than after we've won the league and lost the cup or whatever. So uh, we will aim to get that out earlier. We'll also look to maybe strip out a few questions um, because it has got, I think, pretty big. So we'll, we'll probably refresh a few, take a few out and so forth. Um, depending on what the issues are. The other thing I wanted to mention is that um, during the season, we're probably going to do a couple of what I call hot hits. Um, when, a, when a hot subject comes up, and I've been talking with Tim just this week about if he wants to sort of mine some information out of the trust 
to back up his work on kickoff times, for example, we might want to put out a quick, you know, like a one-page or a two-page maximum, just to go quick hit, bang, what do you think, put it out there, get everyone's answers back in a week, simple analysis, and back up the other activities. So I think we could probably do a bit of that as well um, to help these sort of questions that, that, that come up during the year. So um, yeah, that's a good example of one. There have been, you know, issues that have come up during the year that we added into the survey this year. They might not apply every year, so we'll just pop something out quickly if we can. Survey the membership, you tell us what, we, what you think, and then we can give the relevant person who talks to the club or the Football Association or the Premier League or Sky, whoever, we can give them some more ammunition so that they know, uh, you know what the trust feels and actually can back it up with something as well. So always pushing that idea that we represent a large number of fans and how they feel, not just, as, as Tim and Chid pointed out, the feelings of the individual, say, on the fans form or whatever. So trying to make it a nice democratic process. And also it's a really good way of finding out what people think. And that includes the issues that none of us agree on, like, you know, loyalty points. Dear God. <laughs> uh, I could do a 100-page survey, and I suspect everything would score somewhere between 30 and 40% approval. So, you know, every different option. Um, because it's a really complex issue, but we've got work going on about that, that hopefully will lead to some more constructive ideas going forward. Um, if anyone's got any questions about survey or anything to do with the survey, oh, we've got one over there. All right, just we can do a few quickly, actually. I think that's a good idea. Do you want to... I'll grab that and... say well done with the survey. Um, I'd like to put it to people here today that uh, obviously at the CPO AGM, um, the CPO members voted for the club that they were in agreement for the club to redevelop the ground. And at the time that decision was made, everybody presumed that Roman Abranovich was going to actually fund the redevelopment of the ground. Now, I believe I'm old and quite a few people here, and I was around when the Mears family decided to go along the same route, redevelop a ground. Nobody questioned it, and ultimately it put us 25 years in debt. Now, if Roman Abranovich were to finance is that one thing. But if he's going to mortgage the club or borrow the money, which seems to be the issue uh, which is being put out by the club now, um, it puts another whole scenario into whether we think that's the right thing. Now, what I'd like to the reason I, I put this in with the survey questions is that to the amount of people I speak to who say, well, okay, we're going to potentially move from Stamford Bridge for four years to Wembley or somewhere else, which is dreading us all with horror, and the general consensus of opinion I seem to get from people, taking into consideration the potential finance that we're going to be put under, is that would it not be better to read, put three tiers on the Matthew Harding, knock down the shed, put three tiers on the shed end, get to approximately 55, 56,000 by doing that without having to move in the stadium. And I do believe that I would like to see that sort of question put into the survey in future, if possible, please. Yep, that's fine. Yeah, no, no problem with that at all. Um, um, I think we all are dreading this going wrong, and we have to keep the club as honest as possible. We have to find out, you know, what they think, what they're doing, what are the guarantees, what happens, God forbid, if they knock the ground down and then someone says, we haven't got the money. You know, we, we, we need to find out more about those guarantees. And that might be actually a pretty good sur sum, uh, pardon me, subject for a survey, say it um, during during this season and get um, and get in a way I'd probably call for questions and probably we should have a little chat about that as well but that definitely seems like a good topic brilliant thanks Ramsey um, right uh, Cliff uh, will now tell us a little bit about uh, what we do in the community but particularly in Brompton Cemetery no doubt most of you are aware of the Jack Whitley memorial unveiling recently Hi, yeah, as, as Chid has just uh, said, we, we, we do a lot of work over at Brompton Cemetery and we have done for the last few years uh, tending predominantly the uh, Chelsea-related graves over there, of which there are quite a few. Um, Rick Glanville approached us um, within the last year or so that he'd un he discovered the fact that there's a, a Chelsea player buried over there in an unmarked grave. 
Um, and Jack Whitley, he was the uh, second goalkeeper for Chelsea after Fatty Folk. And uh, he actually kept the first clean sheet for Chelsea Football Club in uh, for, for top flight football. And uh, he was a real stalwart for the club. He was here as, as a player for a number of years and returned as a, as a trainer and physio. And all in all, he was, he was with us for about 30-odd years and largely no one had ever heard of him, basically. Um, so we crowdfunded a, a, a memorial for Jack and uh, unveiled it at the Man City home game recently, for, for which he got a good lot of publicity about. We raised five and a half grand to do that. Um, most of that was taken up with buying the plot from uh, the Royal Parks just for the 50, 50 years or so. But anyway, we, we also managed to trace some of his um, ancestors and uh, his great grand his granddaughter was due to come down, but she was quite poorly. She's lived in Lincoln. But his great grandson and his great great grandson made it down for the day, which was which was really nice. Bruce Buck came along and laid a wreath on behalf of Chelsea Football Club as well. Um, it's an ongoing thing over at Chelsea at Brompton Cemetery. Our next day over there is on the international weekend on the Saturday. I think it's November the 11th. We're going to be planting some bulbs around the Chelsea-related uh, graves that are hopefully will flower in the spring. Some nice blue and white flowers around the, around the graves. And um, hopefully this will lead up to as well. We're going to try and commemorate, um, I guess it's an American term, Founders Day, March the 10th every year. We're going to have something over at the cemetery where we can lay a wreath on the, on the, uh, the grave of Gus Mears and... Uh, Rick Lanfield's kindly said that he would do a guided tour of all the Chelsea-related graves over there. So look out for that, sort of on or near March the 10th next year. We'll be doing something over there. And Rick presents a really, really good tour of the cemetery. Probably a lot of you have walked through it over the years and not necessarily known who is actually buried over there and what their, what their um, role was, is or was in Chelsea Football Club. Um, so that's basically about it. So look out for that. And say the next next time we're over there is, is November the 11th. We'll be having a tidy up, planting some bulbs, and look out for the event. And hopefully on or near March the 10th next year. And bring your working glove. Yeah. Yeah. I second that and third that. He deserves a round of applause, really. Thank you. Actually, sorry, I, I forgot about something. We, we, we are looking to sort of increase the heritage stuff that we do with, with the club. We, we, we're obviously on top of things at, at, at Brompton Cemetery, but um, it's been suggested that maybe we could um, and look at putting some plaques up around the area of, of significant buildings that are related to Chelsea Football Club and their history. Obviously, uh, um, it's called the Butcher's Hook now. It was the uh, Rising Sun when, when Chelsea were founded and one of the first meetings was held in there to found Chelsea Football Club. So maybe a little plaque on the side of that would do some. Fulham Town Hall, the FA Cup obviously was paraded there when we won it in 1970. Um, there's a bill, there's a and I don't know where, if you're all aware of the CFC UK stall where, where Dave is there. There's a, the building there was the original home of the Chelsea Supporters Club that were founded in 1948, I believe. They're coming up for their 70th anniversary next year. So it would be kind of nice maybe to have some sort of plaque or some sort of recognition there. So, you know, we're open to all um, ideas on this. If any of you know of anything, any buildings that are relevant to the history of the club or whatever that we could hopefully commemorate, it's something that we have to go through the council with to, to, to get their okay to put plaques up on buildings or whatever. But, you know, we, we're pushing, we're trying, we're trying to do something. I mean, other fans throw at us a lack of history at Chelsea Football Club. So, you know, it's up to us to sort of show, show we have got a good, strong history. All right. Brilliant, Cliff. Thank you. And again, thank you for the huge amount of work you do uh, at Brompton Cemetery and, and uh, the community generally. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, 
and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, uh, in the elections, as I said earlier on, one of the the new uh, people to get elected was the uh, lovely Henry Fowler. And uh, as you know, we have a series of working groups, for example, Cliff uh, heads the affiliation, the supporters trust, and the uh, community work groups. There are other work groups. It's not just all Cliff. Um, one of them is the Atmosphere Group, which uh, Richard Weeks heads. Richard can't be here today because he's got other things to do. But uh, they've done a great job in in trying to promote a better atmosphere at the ground. Now, within that group was safe standing because we've always felt that one of the best ways to engender a better atmosphere at modern football grounds is to you know to get the government and the Premier League clubs to get their head around the the concept of safe standing. However, because there's so, such a lot of work on the atmosphere group, we kind of felt that safe standing got a bit hidden under that. Uh, Henry's passionate about safe standing, so it made a lot of sense to me that we actually you know, created a separate working group, which he now heads. And uh, being young and enthusiastic and you know, brilliant, basically, he's uh, picked up the ball and seriously run with it, and he's going to spend a couple of minutes telling you what he's up to on that. Yeah, yeah, if you could come up here. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jidge. I'm going to stand because it'd be silly to sit down doing a safe standing bit. Um, I can, I can, well done. Good. I can assure you, it's safe for him to stand. By yeah. the way, it's, it's all right. I've been standing all 90 minutes. I've had a little sit down next to my dad there to recoup after standing up. But I just want to talk about where we are with the campaign, both nationally and some of the things that we're going to do as a Chelsea Supporters Trust. And without your help, it's not going to be possible. I have to be honest. I want to stress that from the beginning. People would have seen that the Celtic safe standing um, that they've got now has been incredibly successful. One, the atmosphere looks fantastic. Two, they've had a real good um, buy-in in in terms of uh, ensuring that the whole community is safe there in supporting their football club. But three, I think it's shown quite clearly that it's very much possible. So the idea it's not is absolute nonsense. From June, the Premier League has been consulting all football clubs about safe standing, what they think and how they want to take that forward. I tried to speak to the Football Sports Federation this week and I had a quick chat with them and they said they don't know when that's going to be reported. So we're going to continue to pressure on that. But at the moment, that consultation is out there and the clubs are being consulted about it. In July, I don't know if people would have seen, but a massively important meeting that's going to really change this debate forever was held in Liverpool, a public meeting held by the Spirit of Shankly Supporters Trust. After that meeting, 18,000 fans took part in a survey and 88% of them said they were in favour of bringing safe standing into Anfield. I think that's a really massive milestone. In October, so now where we are now and only this week, and we were very privileged to support this with a very good press release, thanks to, thanks to Chidge to get that out there, Shrewsbury Town crowdfunded £65,000 for the introduction of the first rail seating um, of around 600 rail seats. A thousand fans contributed to that campaign, incredible grassroots campaign. Um, and Tifasoy, which is the organisation that does it, is actually part owned by and run by Gianluca Viali. So it's something we should always look to support as a way of getting grassroots fans back into the football clubs that they support so well. As part of the work that I hope to be doing, and I've spoken to Tim and other people that have done really good work with the trust in terms of moving this debate forward, is hopefully myself, John Darch, who some of you may have met and seen the roadshow he produces, the Safe Standing Roadshow we had on the Fulham Broadway years ago when I was a member, but not obviously part of the board. We're going to meet with Rosina Allen-Khan and other people from the Shadow Cabinet to talk about moving Labour's policy to support Safe Standing and the introduction of a pilot 
so that we can put the pressure on the Conservative government to ensure that they look to introduce a pilot in the Premier League. So essentially, talking about the future, there's a few things I want to talk to you about. Without you and your engagement, and we'll talk about some of those steps, and I hope to speak to you, and maybe through a survey we can get your updated views on this. We need you guys to back us in keeping the campaign going. We're going to work with other trusts across London to maybe provide a public meeting like the Spirit of Shankly. We need your support in building for that meeting, but also to attend and to give your view. And also, I want to continue to work with members. The last safe standing survey we did specifically for this Supporters Trust, uh, I think 96% of fans said they were in favour of creating a, a safe standing areas within the grounds. I think we know now that the time is ripe, and I'm really excited to be part of this work, and I really need your support in ensuring that we get a change. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, George. Um, it, uh, it's Ramsey back on again here. Uh, just back, sort hang of on, Henry, hang on. Um, back, Henry, up with um, the survey this year. So this is recent data. Showed that there's a very strong agreement that the club should take a leading role in implementing safe standing. After all, we're building a new stadium. This has got to be number one in those lower tiers, isn't it? The ability to put in safe standing. Well, yeah, it's unsafe standing what we do at the moment, though, isn't it? Yeah, uh, for the benefit of those who are listening in, the question for the floor, the statement from the floor, is that actually it does seem that um, post Mourinho getting involved a couple of years ago because people were getting trolled from the stewards, getting hassle. Um, the suggestion is, and I, I don't disagree, that the message has come right from the top to be more lenient and allow some atmosphere in the shed lower and the Matthew Harding lower. Same time, I'd much rather be safe standing than standing in seats. I mean... I, I, I mean, I'm not alone in saying I've been knocked flying over the seats and ended up backwards, you know, sprawled. I mean, it, they build stadiums, we need to build them for right. standing, so, sorry, and there's a lot of support sorry, for that. Just a bit of order, you know, that I, I know, as I said, the mics are not necessarily for us in the room, but there are people trying to listen, and we do make this a podcast. If you do want to raise a point from the floor, hand up, we'll get you a mic. The other thing is I do want to leave a bit of time at the end after Charles has spoken so we can, you know, answer some more questions in more detail. And I think safe standing in particular is a huge issue for us and clearly resonates with you lot as well. So if you allow me to, I'm going to move on to Charles, hopefully leave five, ten minutes at the end and we can have a, an open question session. All right. Thank you, Charles, and welcome. Good afternoon. Um, I'm going to pick up on that point that was made just a minute ago um, after I've said what I, what I was going to say. Um, I've got four quick points, but generally speaking, I'd much rather hear from you and then be able to answer the questions that you've got. Uh, for, those, uh, for those of you listening in, Charles Rose from Chelsea Pitch Owners. Um, I, the first thing I just wanted to say, for those of you with sharp eyes, you would have seen on the website that we have produced minutes um, and those minutes are quite heavily censored. There's a good reason for that in that the majority of what we're discussing in the board at the moment is either legally or it is commercially sensitive. And we took a decision not to publish minutes because we were hoping that everything was going to be completed. Well, things are dragging on and there's quite a lot that uh, is to do with a new stadium that I can't really talk about. In fact, I can't absolutely talk about or not really is, is just a, an understatement. So my apologies for that. But what I will say is that ourselves and the club are working very closely together. And there is a high degree of cooperation and there is uh, a lot of the anxieties that we've had in the past I think have uh, been dissipated. The second thing to talk about um, is the uh, annual accounts and the annual general meeting, which is going to be on the 26th of January next year. Um, the accounts will be out shortly. We're putting together um, the final uh, PDFs that we can put up on the website, and the shareholders will have a chance to see those first. Um, just to re-emphasize 
um, the way that CPO is structured. Although the shares are currently costed, uh, are, are, have got a nominal value of £100, and we then sell them um, with a little bit extra if you want a signed certificate or a framed certificate or on the pitch, um, that £100 doesn't go towards our running costs. That goes to what's called the capital costs. So you've got to take that out of the equation. Um, our running costs are about 35 grand a year, and we have to get that in from uh, that extra bit of share sales. Now, that doesn't account for that much. So the only other option we currently have is to run events um, and to make those as fundraising events is to charge as much as we can get away with. That's the current way of thinking. What we will be doing at the AGM is that we're going to be putting forward resolutions um, to actually reduce down the nominal price of shares to £25. Every current shareholder will therefore have four votes as opposed to a new shareholder that will have one. And the purpose of this and the purpose of what we're trying to do is to become more inclusive as opposed to exclusive. We want to try and broaden the shareholder base um, away from old gits like me, <laughs> codgers like me. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, welcome to the club. Uh, is, is to broaden it in particular into younger shareholders. And we think that that's one way of, that we're going to be doing that. Okay, it is a cultural shift that we're trying to do. And what we want to do is to try and meet our costs through other ways. Uh, currently, we don't have a rent from Chelsea Football Club, but there are other things that we are discussing about how we could, uh, could actually get around this and how we could uh, get money in so that actually when we put on events that they are inclusive and they are reasonably priced and they attract the ordinary supporter. Um, a lot of you uh, will know that in recent years, thanks to some good ideas from uh, the shareholders, we've had the uh, five-a-side tournament on the pitch, and instead of making that an exclusive event, we've tried to put it as a reasonably priced event, and we want to put on more of those. Okay, so that's um, the cultural shift that we're undergoing. The last thing to say that uh, you will have noticed as well that um, we've had a resignation at board level. Uh, Rick has decided that after many years of uh, great service to CPO that he's stepping down to go and do other things. Um, we haven't yet had a chance to really uh, think about what we want to do in relation to that. So um, those, are the, those are the things that I just wanted to update you on. Obviously, the question that has just come up in relation to the stadium and about how we were going to guard against the issue of suddenly finding ourselves um, saying, oh, gosh, we've moved away, we've knocked the stadium down, what are we going to do now? Um, I think that the response I would have to that is that um, whenever we raise the subject of finance, that has yet to be decided. Uh, I know what's in the press, I know the reports that are coming out. Um, as far as I know, I don't know, uh, as far as I know, there has been no decision taken as to how that will be financed. Um, the point about whether we're going to guard against uh, suddenly finding ourselves with no stadium. Uh, in all the plans that I've seen, uh, what is happening is that they're going to be knocking, from, knocking the stadium down from the outside, first of all. So actually, by the time we leave, there is going to be a high degree of construction that will have happened in and around the perimeter of Stamford Bridge. So things like the gym are going to be taken down, the uh, second hotel, I presume, is going to be part of that. So they're going to be clearing the ground. We're, they're going to keep us at Stamford Bridge for as long as is possible before we, the, the stadium itself is touched. So I think there is going to be, there's, there's not going to be just a clear site. There's going to be a lot of work that will have been done by the, time we, by the time we leave. So I don't know whether that actually helps the situation. But it is, it's always been a question that people have been raising at our AGM. And it's always something that is something we want to discuss with the club in any discussions that we have. So. Hang on a minute. Do you want to swap the mics? You can have this one, Charles. Yeah, hi. Um, is, there, is there a clear time frame for this at the moment? I mean, we seem to be on edge as to when we're going to move, what's going to happen. And as you rightly say, they're going to build it knocked down from the outside. But we still don't know where we, we sort of are with how long we're going to be at Stamford Bridge until we no. start moving. No, um, uh, and, and I wouldn't expect um, for us to know that probably for another nine months or so. Um, with, a, with a project this complex... There are many, many things that have to be sorted out, and um, this is part of the stuff that I can't talk about, but, but I'm spending an awful lot of time doing 
the sorting out of this. And um, there are bumps in the road, and you find yourself going back two steps, forward another step, and it's just you know, grinding work to get through uh, everything that needs to be done before they can then actually get the diggers onto site or, or, or move from there. So I don't think there is actually an answer to that. Um, I can't speak on behalf of the project team or the club in that, but I would, uh, you know, knowing what I know, um, I don't think there is an answer. So there's, there's really no clarity on where we're going to be and where the finance is coming from as well? Not as far as I know. Thanks, Charles. That's, that's, that's an interesting update. What I was going to ask, and I'm sure many Chelsea pitch owners are thinking this, is we're looking to diversify and obviously encourage more shareholders and develop that base, and that's absolutely the right step to take forward. But in line with that, what is the likelihood of Abramovich, who is now going to be looking to fully fund this outside of his own pocket, in the likelihood of then coming to come for us again and to necessarily take away our, our place within the football club and also buy us out of our shares and what that looks like? How likely do you think that that will be a renewed attack on the Chelsea pitch owners as part of that development? Um, I don't see that as likely at all. Um, the cooperation that we are showing to them and that they're showing to us um, is such that I'm not concerned about that at the current time. It is something that we always have to be careful of. But ultimately, when you say, you know, is he going to come for us, that, will be a, that, that is a decision that only the shareholders would make in that situation. So if he wanted to make an offer... <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Um, so if, if, if the owner wants to make a, uh, make a bid for Chelsea pitch owners, then he is entitled to do so, as actually anybody is entitled to do so. And then it'll go through the uh, regular machinations of company law and the shareholders will be consulted. Uh, Charles, yeah, so Charles, there is something that concerns me about your response to that, just following up on the question. I've always found since I've been, well, I've been a member of the CPO since it came out, but all the meetings I've been to, I feel that CPO board don't take leadership. They tend to sit on the fence. And, and in a way, you've said the similar thing then, in all due respect, we've said it's down to the shareholders. But what concerns me a little bit is that um, will the CPO board be recommending as opposed to saying it's down to you guys, you know, because ultimately you're leading us. And rather than, um, not everybody understands it, especially lots of younger fans coming in now, because my concerns are like, it is that people are blinded by the stadium and say, yeah, 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 we'll sell, we'll sell, we'll sell. And the boards put their hands up and say, it's up to you guys. When in reality, you should be pointing out the dangers of possibly that we are presented with, you've got to sell your CPO shares unless we're not going ahead with the stadium. There is that potential danger. And also, the most important thing is, regardless, I agree, because if they want to sell or they don't want to sell, it's their own individual's choice. But my biggest concern is that we might be forced to sell our shares prior to the stadium being redeveloped, i.e. sell us the shares now, thank you very much, we're moved to Wembley, thank you very much, something goes AWOL and the whole thing goes belly up. So all I would say is, my request is for the CPO board, and I will obviously say this at the AGM, that I feel it's a very, very important time in Chelsea Football Club's history and our board have to speak what they think. They have to let us know whether they're on the club side or because it shouldn't be, it should be independent. And it should be saying to all their members, we don't agree with this, we suggest you vote this way, as opposed to saying, it's up to you guys. That's what I would like to say. Um, two different, there are, there are two issues there. Let me just tackle the leadership one first. Um, I, I'm desperately trying not to reopen the wounds of 2011 because uh, for those of people who were involved, it was a very bruising and a very damaging experience. Um, all I will say is that um, this board is not working uh, with the club with a view to selling it to it. Okay. Uh, last time, if you recall, the shareholders had 21 days, which was the minimum notice that was, was uh, possible um, bef uh, before what 
they were presented with the uh, sale request and the meeting within 21 days. And uh, you don't suddenly find yourself in a position like that without having done quite a lot of pre-work. There will be no pre-work done while I'm chairman, I can tell you that. Okay. Um, there was a question asked to me, one of my first ever AGMs, about which way I would have voted. And I was very specific then that if, the, that if it came up again with the same offer, I would vote against. Now, as a company director, and what you talk about is members of CPO, the reality is legally, forgive the uh, shift in emphasis, legally, everybody's a shareholder. And as a director, my responsibility is to look after the interests of the shareholders of CPO. It is not to look after the interests of Chelsea Football Club or whatever company owns Chelsea Football Club, all right? So that's absolutely the, the, the rule by which all of us operate. It's the shareholders' interest that we will look after. You can comment on that. I'm, you know, that, that's, 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 that's down to you. Um, but, you know, I recognize the dangers that you are talking about of saying, well, you want a new stadium? Then this is what we want. Well, that's what we're working to try and work around. And a lot of the discussions that we have are centered towards that. And, you know, why should you trust me any more than the next guy? who uh, walks through the door. Um, <laughs> why, should you, why should you trust me? Well, hopefully, you know, you, I, I, I'm known for doing what I, I say I'll do. No, I, no, no, no I, I absolutely appreciate that. No, that, it's absolutely understood. It's absolutely understood. But um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, what I'm trying to do and what I talk about this cultural shift, it's important that not only when, before we get to the, the new stadium, but when we do get to the new stadium, that people don't think this is job done. Great. Well done, Chelsea pitch owners. You've done your job. Now we can get on and do other things. If we don't keep it relevant, then what's going to happen in 10 or 20 years or 30 years? When people have forgotten what happened in the 80s, and they've forgotten what happened in 2011. And unless we can actually get an inclusive group of shareholders, and I'm talking about young shareholders, which we, you know, we've, we've tried to do um, with the new young shareholder scheme, um, unless we get that and we keep up the interest, then it will die out. And groups like this in future years will go, well, what does CPO stand for? Why do we need it? Because we've got this stadium. We've got a fantastic, you, you know, the club's flying, whatever. Um, no, the reality is we just need to keep our eye on that ball and keep that in our knowledge. And that's what we're trying to do, and that's what I'm trying to work towards. Uh, I think if we can have one from, from you, Lee, on the CPO, and then right. if there's a, but there'll be about five, hopefully five minutes left, and I'd like to open it up to any other questions you may have, because I know one or two wanted to ask a question I'm earlier. So uh, off you I'm go, mate. I'm just curious uh, just about, um, are you increasing the amount of votes that one individual can have? From 100 to 400. Yes. To four, so from 10,000 to 40,000. Yeah. So so if you hold a sh if you hold 100 shares now, you will get four votes as opposed to somebody who buys one share no, afterwards. That, also, oh right, I see. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, if that goes through. If it goes through, it, again, it'll be. Can I, can I just correct you? You can, buy, you can buy as many shares as you like. You can only vote with 100 shares. That's going to increase to 400. That will increase to 400 um, because of the but new... still only 10,000 pounds worth. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, obviously it increases to 400. Charles, if you're talking about increasing the number of voting rights to 400, then I will be putting a motion to the floor at the... Uh, CPO AGM in January that it remain at 100. As you know, there are an awful lot of people who don't necessarily have the best interests of Chelsea supporters at heart who all own an awful lot of shares and we don't want to give them any further degree of influence than that which they already have. Um, yeah, I fully understand that. That's a matter that has actually been discussed at board level. We decided that actually it was... Uh, we didn't want to complicate the matter by trying to reduce down that vote. But just to re-emphasize, they will have no more influence in the future than they do now. Okay? But what we're trying to do is to increase the number of shareholders. That's the best way of diluting 
the shares that you are most concerned about? Let's just leave it at that, shall we? Yeah. Can, can I just ask one quick question as well? Sorry, somebody's got to be the bad guy. Um, we've got five minutes left, four minutes left. I, I, I'm, I'm desperately wanting to, to hear Pat talk rather than me or anybody else. But if this is the whole point of these meetings is that you do get to question us and ask us questions on anything you like. So in the next five minutes, if there are some questions from the floor that are not CPO-related... <laughs> Uh, and before I pass that over, I just want to thank Charles for coming along today and giving us his time. It's, you know, Supporters Trust is, is a huge uh, supporter of the CPO and everything that uh, Charles and the, their board does. So I'm very grateful that he's come along to, to spend the time with us today. So thank you, Charles. Thank you. Now, having, uh, having you know, bitten poor old Ramsey's head off, I'm now going to ask him to be Mickey Microphone. But have we got any, any questions, general Supporters Trust questions? Teresa. Could the trust potentially look at asking the club if they can get a tick box on season ticket renewals so you don't get your tickets for cup games in the presentation pack? Because it's just more recycling, basically. Yeah, yeah I appreciate, fully appreciate that, Teresa. The, the, the stuff that, you know, the package they send it out in now is quite frankly ridiculous, really, yeah. So, yeah, we can raise that issue, yeah. Thanks, Tree. Anybody else? Clint, is it only if it's no, not that, CPO? That, no, no, it's not. Okay. I promise that. I'm sorry to hog the microphone. No problem, Clint. Um, it's obviously, something we're all aware of uh, is ticket touting. Yeah. And, and obviously, what happened at the Arsenal-Cologne game, yeah. believe me, if it happened at Stamford Bridge, there would have been serious, yeah. serious trouble if there was thousands of Cologne fans in the Matthew Harding or the Shed end. Now, what I, I've approached the club in the past about the ticket touts. In fact, the day... The match after the Arsenal game, I arrived at Fulham Broadway as normal, tickets out there. I said to the police, look, the trouble at Arsenal was all tickets out, why aren't you doing anything? Oh, well, well you know, they're not interested. I would, in, in America, apparently, I might have said this to a couple of people, they have a system where within the grounds, i.e. Chelsea Football Club, not on the public highway, they put a blue circle in their grounds. They allow any supporter to arrive into that blue circle and say, I have a ticket in whichever stand, at face value, and nothing more. Anybody is entitled to move into that circle and buy that. It's covered by cameras and police. If anybody says, I want £10 extra, they squeal, and the person trying to be ultimately a ticket tout can be arrested. Many of us have been caught with a friend not wanting to go to a game last minute. Yeah. We're paid 48, 50 quid, and you're thinking, God, you know, and you sell it, and we know people that have lost their season tickets yeah. just passing on a, a legitimate ticket at face value. And I would ask the the board if they can maybe put this suggestion to Chelsea Football Club it might well solve the problem that when we're stuck with a ticket we could actually get face value back for our tickets I don't know what the board that, or that, other people Clint, think about I think that. that's, a, that's a really really good point and I you know I'm sure I, I can speak for the board and say we'd be more than happy to take that to them I mean as you know we're, we're meeting them in uh, in November so I'm happy to raise that and the other the other side of that is that you know every time we meet them they do bring up the issue of ticketing ticket touting as well as we do and they actually feel quite powerless about it because ultimately it rests with the police and then the police feel quite powerless about it so basically it goes round and round and round the circle and nothing and nothing happens well Absolutely, and that's, that's the first time I've heard an idea like that, and I wasn't aware that the states do that. On the point about Arsenal-Cologne, I mean, sadly, I, I couldn't make it last Wednesday, but I got some feedback. There are quite a lot of uh, Roma fans in the shed end, that, that in, in the home uh, bit of the shed end. I don't know if that was true or not. Yeah. So, it's, in other words, the potential is, you know, as Clint was saying, there is always that potential for, for an away team, particularly a European team who are well-supported to do that. And it's an issue, but, you know... The, the only other thing, the last time we spoke to the club about it, we, we did say to them that we will try and do anything that we can. And I think that boiled down to basically writing to the local council and lobbying them very, very hard because ultimately it'll rest with them as well. So, but I think that's a great idea and I'm happy to take that forward. Oh, it's the same lot. Wherever you go, wherever you go, exactly. Same old faces, same old faces. Interestingly, Clint, the, the police do have powers, dispersal powers, to get rid of the touts from outside the ground. They use it, uh, it, you know, we've all been to Wembley. You don't seem to see that many touts around Wembley Stadium. 
I mean, is that fair to say? You know, you you do, yeah, all right, down the high street, yeah, but around the stadium area, the police have got powers to disperse them. And um, if if the people uh, leave and then come back within 24 hours, they will arrest them. Now, we've, I've asked this pro, uh, question in the past, why can't they use these powers at Chelsea, at Stamford Bridge? It seems quite straightforward. But apparently, for, for uh, the Hammersmith and Fulham police, don't think it's, it's relevant to Chelsea, uh, the, to the area around Stamford Bridge. I, don't, I can't get my head around why they don't do it. But as I say, the police have got the powers to disperse ticket touts. Cheers, Cliff. I'm, I'm going to... You know, I, I know that you may have other questions, but uh, I think if I was to put this to a vote, you'd probably say, can we, you know, ask Pat questions rather than me? And I would be probably the first to put my hand up. Um, what I will say is this, is that, you know, obviously these are public meetings and that we, we, well, I say public, they're open to the members only. And it is your chance to ask us a question, find out what's going on. Um, but that doesn't stop you, you know, asking questions of us in the meantime. All you have to do is email us. You know who a lot of us are. We're, we're always around at the games. Come and talk to us. Let us know what's on your mind. If you've got a problem, got an issue, email us, talk to us, and we will do what we can to help you out on it. That is exactly what the Supporters Trust is for. Other than that, I'm just delighted to see so many of you here. Thank you for listening to us for the last hour. Uh, give yourselves a pat on the back. Thank you. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 